Hello and welcome back to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. I'm Ed and I'm here today with Paul. Hello. And Nick. Hiya. And following on from last week's episode where we, or the last episode, we got very, very confused about um, the Holy Trinity. Uh, we had, well, we had Claire on with us for, for that episode and she suggested another meaty topic, which was the Incarnation. And that's what we're going to be grappling with today. And we've just had a bit of a chat about where this could go and what questions we could ask. And we've already got ourselves very confused. So do bear with us on this one. Because it's going to be lots of us going, hmm, uh, I, I'm not sure. I don't know. But hopefully we'll, we'll get somewhere. So I think it's probably a helpful first question if we were to just ask, what, what is the incarnation? What is our understanding of incarnation and i think paul has got a very succinct accurate answer there for us to to wrap this bit up <laughs> yeah well as my role as resident googler um before we started i googled a few different terms um so i'll start with what is incarnation um a person who embodies in the flesh a deity spirit or quality um so i would guess we're probably talking more about the deity of incarnation um Next bit, for Christians, the incarnation shows that Jesus was fully God and fully human. And the third bit that Google says, the incarnation is the Christian belief that God took human form by becoming Jesus. Incarnation literally means to take on flesh. Yeah, and I guess that's that's probably going to be the the meat of our discussion here about about Jesus, about God becoming man and coming to dwell among us. But that raises lots of questions and it um, can be quite a difficult concept to get your head around. So I just wonder, is that something that you guys have thought about a lot? I mean, prior to the build up to recording this or or is that something that you've just kind of accepted? Yeah, I, I um, did the when we did our last episode. Sorry, I did. Uh, I, I proclaimed that the Christmas story was my favorite Bible story, which which it was at the time and it still is a few weeks later so you'd be pleased to know so it's not changed as yet um but i was thinking a lot of, about it um about the the incarnation as you call it or the christmas story the birth of jesus however you want to describe it when i was uh when i was taught when i was thinking about which my favorite story was and it's easy to run yourself around in circles and in knots with big questions which i have done when we've come to this episode, but I didn't do when we were doing that one. And I'm not really sure why that is. Yeah. It feels like a, a really crucial <laughs> bit of theology, a, a bit of understanding, doesn't it? This understanding of who Jesus is as being fully God and fully man. So I, yeah, I find it quite a difficult thing to wrestle with in my head. I think for me, it's the, um, it's, it's both, it's been fully man and fully God that's run me around in circles today. Just trying to figure out what that means. And it, does it, does it make sense? Is, does it need to make sense? More importantly. Yeah. I think and it's I've a really difficult an answer. Yet. I think um, it's something that we kind of just accept it as early. I know we've all grown up sort of in the Christian household or sort of grown up in church, I guess. And uh, I think it's something that you just accept early on and then it comes back around. And now that it's being asked as a question, I go, oh, well, actually, yeah, that is difficult. The same with the Trinity one um, that we did uh, last time. Um, understanding that, that God is more than 100% of something 
it's just obviously our brains just don't compute that very well so it's quite a difficult one i think mm. yeah so i think it's probably good if we dive straight into our first question and we're going straight to nick with that one yeah my question um was which part is it easier to accept jesus being fully god or being fully man and then as a second question as a follow-on really which do we relate to the most which do we relate more to him being fully god or being fully man nobody's thought about it (laughs) (laughs) that's that was really hard I find that really hard because it feels wrong to divide the two in my head. Um, And I guess when I think about the humanness of Christ and how he's like us, that is made remarkable by his divinity and by the fact that he is fully God. And for me, like him being fully God is made accessible or made um, relatable by him being fully human. And I guess for e- e- to to separate either would be really difficult um, to to do, and it would be really damaging, I think, to un- understanding of who God is, because if God didn't become human or or didn't do that, then He's not actually the the same loving God. He isn't the the God that cares so deeply about us that He would want to come and live among us. That I um, that I thought that that I, I I believe him to be, but also if he was if Jesus wasn't fully God, then you know that that kind of says, oh, what was the why 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 should I care about anything he did anyway? I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, yeah, I was it doesn't answer anything. your question. <laughs> <laughs> I think what it's saying is don't ask that question. Yeah, <laughs> um, stop I think, it. I think the the whole definitely all of the gospel. Um, all the stories about Jesus tend to make me think when I'm thinking back through now that they show the relationship between him being fully God and fully man. So he gets put into situations which are relatable to us, but the way he deals with them are very much as God. And a lot of mm. his outcomes or the the things that he says set him apart from anyone that's ever existed. Yeah. Um, so when you say, which do you relate to most? I think they're kind of linked together very strongly. Um, and in the situations, you can see him being fully man and relating to that in that he's, he's on earth and having the same struggles that we have in, in some respects. But the way that he the way that he thinks and speaks and what he does and says shows that, that he's also fully God at the same time, which I guess is the only way I can get my head around it. Like you say, Paul, it's that paradox between God being more than like being a hundred percent of two things or three things in regards to the Trinity, but two things in regards to to Jesus. Whereas it's a hundred percent. So how can that be? It, it's yeah. It, it, there's a there's a paradox in there. I guess what what I was meaning by the question, I suppose I can ask it another way: is when you think of Jesus, do you think of a man or do you think of God? You can't say both. I think. To go back to last week, yeah, I think when when you go back to last week, it's um, for me that's the the human element of the Trinity. 
Um, and I apologize if that offends anyone as I did last week, I think. <laughs> but for the way the only way that I can sort of conceptualize it in my brain um is that that's the manifest human but not human at the same time and i'm already confused and we're only like five minutes in so i hope that makes sense yeah i, I guess it, it raises questions about whether god i cares about his form as much because you know whether i think about jesus as a man or think or think when i pray to christ do i just pray to kind of a, a faceless sort of entity of some sort i i'm not sure like is is there that bigger distinction if we visualize it as a man is that any different to thinking about christ as um the universal christ rather than the particular in jesus yeah i think yeah, I see what you're saying, Ed. I, I think for me, what probably what I was thinking about when I when I asked that question was, when I think of Jesus, I think firstly of a, a man, a man who is God rather than a, a God who is man. Does that make sense? So, so the man, yeah, I think of the man first because because that's how we relate, and we, it's easy to relate to a guy. It's easy for me to say to Paul, you know, I can I can understand where you're coming from because. Um, we're both, you know, from similar backgrounds, not similar ages, I suppose. I wish we were similar ages. <laughs> um, you know, we've got a lot in common. So um, having having humanity in common with God helps me to relate to uh, Jesus and to our, the kind of things that he's hinting at, the kind of um, message that he's trying to trying to portray. That's where I ended up, but then I thought the. The flip side of that is, am I am I dumbing that down a little bit too much? You know, thinking of just a guy called Jesus, uh, or sh- should it not that not that he's not treated with more reverence, but that is that too irreverent? I'm not sure. I don't think so, but I hope not. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I guess I I like to lean on the. I think God gets, you know, where we're coming from with this and that there is a limit to what we're going to understand. So whether it is it irreverent to think of Jesus as a man who is God rather than God who is a man, I think both of those are true. Um, And if, you know, if if one is closer to the truth or not, I I don't know. But I I think God will forgive us. (laughs) I don't think he cares too much on on where we draw the lines. I know that's an utter cop out and it doesn't um, give us an answer. But yeah, I'm not sure if it's like we said a lot with the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure the Holy Trinity. Sorry. Uh, I'm not sure how high stakes that distinction is. Yeah, I'm hoping at some point there's there's an eye around the shoulder and uh, let me just explain it to you. Yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> gonna need that. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, there's there's lots of people who wrestle with this and um, and end up in knots. So or yeah, I think I think I think you're right, Ed. I think as long the, the fact that we're having the conversation is probably a, a positive to him. I would hope, um, and then trying to work out what what that means for us, I guess. That's um, the important thing, isn't it? It's like, what does it mean? It's all right. Like the theology, theological questions and stuff are, are great to wrestle with, but like, what does it mean in a practical sense? Um, I guess we might we might just chat about that a little bit later on in the discussion. Yeah, so I guess that 
that kind of leads on to my question, which was, um, what does the incarnation say to us about God's character or the relationship that he wants with us? Um, and the, the reason for me saying that is, um, like we say, I think it's important to, to understand the, the actual point of it rather than necessarily drawing a line between the two. But I think God's using himself being a trinity, if that makes sense, um, to, to show us who he is and show more of his character and give more understanding. Yeah, I definitely think the answer's in the question there. Like, um, what does it say about God's character that he does want a relationship with us? I think that's what that's what it tells me. Um, I know I mentioned when we were talking previously about um, about the, the birth of Jesus, about it being a story of hope. And that's what that's what it tells me is that it, God's a God of hope um, and a God that wants relationship with us and that he's willing to back himself by sending us Jesus just to, you know, at least give us a bit of a clue as to what we need to be doing. Yeah. I, I think it's so it's such a crucial part of of the gospel, uh, the incarnation, and it, it does hugely inform us on who God is. And that one of the things I often think about with the incarnation is um, one of the questions that gets thrown at uh, Christianity is this thing around suffering. And that's a huge, huge, difficult question to ask um, and to answer. And maybe one day we'll do a podcast on it and fail to answer it in there as well. But um, I think that for me, the incarnation is is kind of one response to that. And I, you kind of often the question is, so why why does God allow suffering in the world? And my genuine answer to that is, I don't know. I don't know. But if you are to accept that God is all loving, what's the next question? The question, the next question from that is, what would an all suffering God do in response to the suffering of the world? And for me, the answer of that is to come and dwell among us, to experience it, to um, stand side by side and experience the full humanness of what we we're going through. And that that has been quite i i find it quite helpful in understanding suffering and it doesn't understand why it, it doesn't help understand why it's there but it asks that next question of what would god's response what would an all-loving god's response to that be and then that really paves for me the way to the incarnation and you start in a way saying oh you know this isn't maybe the full reason of why god came but it it's yeah i'm kind of going around in circles here but i don't know if that makes any sense did, yeah, did you mean sense. to say an all love an all loving God? I think you said an all suffering God. Oh, sorry, all loving God, all loving yeah. God who experienced suffering in a really full and human way. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that um, for me, that's that's a really important part of it, and the fact that God is willing to come and do life with us, um, and I think that speaks to me about what kind of life he wants to have, he wants us to have with other people to be to be the sort of person who wants to go and do life with other people and to be part of a community and get involved with with other people's lives because that's the kind of god he is and if we're going to be like jesus i think that's crucial to to my faith certainly yeah if you look through that that lens that you, you kind of get the the picture of jesus being god or yeah or god being jesus depending which way around you put it but and then if you then apply the lens of him being a man like he doesn't become just some other entity just some like godlike entity that that we can't relate to um but he, he then becomes 
it, it becomes him saying that you can do this, you can live like me, you can, you can, this is all, this is for you guys. And that's the story, that's the story of hope, isn't it? That's the hope for us is that we can do it. Like we can do it. And we, you know, we're told several times that you are the light of the world. There's, there's plenty of uh, references where Jesus um, speaks directly to us almost through scripture saying you are this you are that you can do this you'll do greater things than than even i have done um and that's the hope for me that's the story of hope in, in the, the christmas story in the life of jesus is that he's not another he's a guy who's he's come and done it and uh, and lived it out yeah and i, I find it, it gives hope for future and gives hope for i guess after death as well and when we talk about heaven and this idea that if god is the same yesterday today and forever and he chose to be among us yesterday then i can have hope that he will make the same choice in the future so I've, um, when i was listening to a few bits and reading a few bits in um in preparation for this podcast i came across the idea of of christ consciousness I wonder if if you guys have run across that that run of run of thought and what you uh, what you really think about it. Let's imagine for a second that I haven't. What does it mean? <laughs> Great question, Paul. Do you want to take that, Nick? Yeah, yeah, can do. So the idea of of Christ consciousness is that we can be at one with God through basically the um, Christ isn't just it's not jesus surname essentially it's not it's not mr and mrs christ um the idea it, it means anointed one and that we we partake in that as well uh as a christian community so that that christ consciousness basically is that we can we can think on the same level as jesus did and it's it's being labeled as heresy by some um it's being labeled as uh forward thinking by others i just wondered if what you guys thought about that yeah, so I, I kind of first came across it through Richard Raw, um, mm. who speaks a lot about it, and he wrote a book called The Universal Christ. And I think with so many of those, these ideas, it's all about how that they're they're presented, isn't it? Like, and the way you you just presented that, I had quite a negative reaction to this. But I remember when reading Richard Raw, reading Universal Christ, I was like, oh yeah, this is amazing, this is revolutionary, um, and. I guess the way he talks about it is he has this great phrase where he talks about how the the birth of Jesus was, in fact, the second incarnation of God. And actually, you can see the presence of Christ throughout all of creation. And therefore, creation is the first incarnation of Christ. And in the universal Christ, he talks about the distinction there of the uh, particular of God, of Christ in the person of Jesus and the universal, which is that Christ consciousness, which is present throughout all of the world, present throughout um, all of us and throughout humanity. And actually everywhere we look in every person, we can see a part of Christ. We can see um, that Christ consciousness at work in, um, in people's lives, um, whether they are fully aware of it or not, I guess. And that, that, draws on that um image of day like the image of god and that we're all created in the image of god therefore bearing the likeness of christ and i find that a really beautiful thing and i find it really helpful then relating to others knowing that 
not only do they just bear the image of God, but actually they have the Christ within them. That Christ is um, part of part part of their lives, and that that's really helpful. Um, yeah, I think if you were, if if people really want to delve into that further and, and hear it explained better than I certainly can, then um, Richard Raw, Universal Christ, is brilliant, and he does a podcast where he talks about it as well, called Another Name for Everything. Um, yeah, that kind of links back to the the conversation we're having about the Trinity, wasn't it? Like, and you mentioned about sort of the Christ being present at the beginning, like that's the yeah. the Logos or the Word of God, isn't it? Um, so that that kind of ties those two schools of thought together yeah apologies for perhaps framing it in a <laughs> no in a negative I, I don't slot. think it was you i think <laughs> i think it was just the yeah i don't know um i think that the wording does immediately because of again probably the way that we've sort of been brought up in church to hear to hear it said like that it sets off sort of subconscious alarm bells yeah um, definitely actually, it's a new way now, of thinking now, isn't it I, I haven't really heard that before um, so this is all fresh. And if I don't <laughs> describe what I'm saying properly, then I apologize. Um, but I think after what you said, Ed, about um, sort of Christ being visible in everything, I guess if the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in all of us and his power is infinite, even the smallest dwelling of the Holy Spirit, it creates infinite power. And, you know, Jesus said, you will do greater things than I. And I think you've already said that, mate. But I think that, it does it does definitely have a resonance with me i'm not sure yeah not sure how far it goes there's something really beautiful in um in what you said there ed about even people that you don't know have have christ in them and i think that boils down to i mean if you look at everything um the decisions we make everything boils out of this sense of identity that we have individually doesn't it um and if if we look at that identity that perhaps some people have this christ likeness in them and they just don't know it and some people have this christ likeness in them and they do know it it's it's a different way of thinking it's not it doesn't become us and then then does it it becomes us and us because we're all we're all basically what we're saying is that we're all we all have that element of christ likeness in us and it's just a, a different how we access that or how we understand that mm. is different yeah, in, in that book, Richard Raw talks about a, a 20th century mystic, and I can't remember their name. I probably should have gone and got the reference. But um, And this this woman um, details a vision that she had, and she was on a train, and she kind of looked around herself and just became fully aware that she was surrounded by people who bear the image of Christ and, and have Christ within them. And that, that, that full sense of awe in the world carol hauslander there you go you found that very quickly thank you for that um, i told you i was a master of google <laughs> yeah um and yeah that and just be- becoming aware of that those people that surrounded her and seeing them for their i guess that identity of who they are in christ and that just being like an utterly like jaw-dropping moment for her that kind of really shaped how she dealt with people or spoke to people or thought of other people going forward and I kind of just wonder what that must be like to actually to really believe down to like your bones that like everyone around you is carrying that that image of Christ and even those people winding you up or those kids setting off fireworks in an alleyway or (laughs) um, all sorts of like horrible things i guess that people can do to to see beyond their humanness to that which makes them divine um 
it's hard. Yeah, I guess yeah. to see to see the the image of the creator and everything that he created it is beautiful in in uh, in wording, but in practice it does become difficult, and I think that's a real challenge. Yeah, that's the power of the incarnation story, isn't it? That's the 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 beauty within it. I know we talked a little bit about the the hope of it, but the the power of it can be literally life changing if you if you to flip. Your, the way that you think about other people and also the way you think about yourself as well. There's, there's two sides to that and both are very, very powerful. Mm. And I, I guess it shifts. We've been talking about the incarnation throughout all this. And even when I spoke about the first incarnation, second incarnation, um, that it kind of tips that on its head because it's not it's not particularly a a, a singular or or even two two events it is a constant state of being for christ that he is incarnate more than and part um having taken part in in incarnation if that makes sense he's constantly um in the flesh with us living it out and being among us and that wasn't that didn't end when jesus ascended to heaven but uh, and it didn't start when jesus was born it's been a constant state of who he is yesterday today and forever and I think that's quite a powerful understanding of who God is. Back to your question there, Paul, I guess. I had, a, I had the analogy that of, of um, God just being the source. It, this kind of ties together. And that, that we're kind of plugging into that source, almost like a power bank, I guess, that, that you know, if you've got you know, billions of different plugs for, for one power bank that's providing the power, and that then flows through everything that's living or that is now and that has ever been and ever will be. That's, that's I guess, another way of thinking about this, this Christ consciousness in it, Ed, that, that you're kind of plugging into something that always has existed, always will exist, and we're just kind of tapping into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, like, uh, I remember once um, hearing so, uh, someone preaching, I have no idea who it was, but that they, they prayed at the start that for God to be with them and then they went, no, that's ridiculous. Why am I praying for that? Lord, let me see where you already are. And um, that's quite a shift as well, because often we pray for God to be with us. And I don't think that's a bad thing to do. But actually, if we really believe that God is everywhere and Christ is everywhere uh, and the Holy Spirit is everywhere, then perhaps it's more about just attuning our eyes to see where they're already at work, where they're already present, which mm. is everywhere. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I think it is a really useful shift in the way we think, especially the way we pray, I guess. Um, because I think everyone or most most Christians would agree that God is everywhere. I'm gonna say all, I'll go out on a limb and say that. I think all Christians would agree that. Um and uh but but then when we pray, we we tend to say, God, please be with this person or please go and go and help this person as though they're not already there waiting to do that. Yeah, and I wonder, it's it's interesting because to say Christ already exists in that person is a much more controversial statement than to say God is everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's the yeah, same thing, strange, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's a turn of phrase, in yeah. it, Paul, please be with. I guess it, what, what we're really saying is show yourself in real real terms to, or, or become apparent within that person. Is what we're trying to say. I, I, yeah, if if I try to be intentional about 
the things I say, particularly at work with, you know, being in sales and things, it's important that you, you say what's true and, and, and accurate. And just thinking about that, I suppose that's something that Christian terminology and what have you, that we kind of slide into that actually, what does that mean? And what, what, what I think, what, what I mean by when, when I say that is, you know, please, please yeah, make yourself apparent within that person, help them to see you in themselves, I guess, I'm coming down on the side of, of what you were saying Ed, about this this uh, Christ being within all. It's um it's a really beautiful thing when you think about it. It unites the whole world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I I, I do totally agree. I do think that it's a, a mindset shift that maybe we subconsciously uh, sort of leaning away from it at the moment as a as a religion on the whole, um, because because of a lot of the wording that we use maybe I, I think a lot of the things that we've said if you boil it down to actual points it would be very difficult to disagree with but a lot of the things that we sort of do I guess or that we practice because we always have um so some of those are they, they do lose the meaning a little bit yeah. and tend to contradict themselves to be somewhat critical I guess of where we are uh, with some of this theology i guess sometimes it, it you you could say that we are we find it a lot easier to create an us and them and i think often as as christians as people of faith it can be easy to fall into the trap of believing that we have a monopoly on god and we have a mm. monopoly on his activity and therefore if people don't look like us act like us then they aren't experiencing god and I think for me, sometimes the resistance to this sort of teaching and falls partly in that. And there is some good criticism of this stuff, but I think part part of it does fall into that category of creating an us and them and wanting to have firm boundaries of where we allow people in our in our thinking to be Christians, to be part of the in, to be part of us. And that that dualistic in and out thinking is quite quite difficult to unpack um yeah it can be quite damaging as well can it when you um when you start to divide um people and and thoughts i guess for me the the this this idea of perhaps falls down if you chase it through um all the way through to its nth degree that this idea of christ consciousness which i don't really want to go down whilst whilst we're just thinking together thinking along with it uh perhaps the listeners might have have something to say about you know where that ends up eventually if you follow it through to the nth degree but i do have a question it's kind of off the cuff so i'll ask it and then i'll I'll, um i'll give you a chance to think about it and speak a little bit more So, so my question would be linked to what you said there ed was was can we can we access god and and god himself aside from the incarnation so I suppose that to to look at that uh, in real terms, I suppose Jesus said, you know, no one can get to the Father except through me. So, my, what I'm asking is, is there is there a way that that applies to everybody, or does, does that just apply to people who who would call themselves Christians? I, I do have an answer myself for this, but I'd like to hear what you guys think. Uh, uh, I've padded long enough, surely. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm. <laughs> I'm I would say I'm torn I definitely have a leaning (laughs) but I have a leaning based on I guess more 
who I understand God to be rather than a a deeper scripturally backed up thought and therefore I'm I'm holding it very lightly but personally I th- I would say no we can't access God separate from the incarnation um but like you say if we are if we take on this point of Christ dwelling in all of us and everyone I I believe that like the, the, there are some like faiths that have been practicing their their faith for thousands and thousands of years prior to Christianity and to to say they've never had a genuine experience of God because they didn't frame it like we do seems seems crazy to me um i i would say you know god god will interact with everyone where they can i do believe jesus is the way the truth and the life and i do believe christ is is that way but do we necessarily have to frame that that christ dwelling within the person of jesus and with the story of the bible that we see i don't know i I don't know and that is the the the, the main answer i i want to believe that god will answer any call to him and i do believe that but i also i also believe that jesus and christ is central to the whole history of salvation and to everything and you know sometimes it's hard to hold those in balance sometimes it i i there seems to be tension between the two but i just i i find it very hard to accept that god would turn away anyone who's earnestly seeking him even if they were brought up in a different faith tradition yeah i think um i'm again processing a lot of this um at a thousand miles an hour which my brain's really not set up to do right now um but yeah i guess my immediate reaction is yeah, but Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is the son of God, and and he said that. But, and I firmly believe that Jesus is the perfect way to live, and to live like Jesus is the aim. Mm. Um, but can I say that um, someone of a different religion or someone, let's say someone predating Jesus, um, I don't know if you think the rules changed after Jesus or however that fits, but... Um, can they not access God because they don't know about Jesus or because people have told them, people have told them not to, but they're still openly seeking God. That seems different from the infinitely loving God who seeks relationship in any, in, in, in every form with us. Um, so I'm not sure how I, how I feel about that. Um, that is a really difficult question, but now you, yeah, it is. I'm sorry, just to chuck it on your off the cuff as well. It just came just came to my head whilst we were talking there. I suppose the way to tie the two together is that if we have this Christ consciousness or this this Christ likeness in all of us, you can't really access God without it, but it's already present. So, if you if you follow that school of thought, I should add, so that it doesn't really matter if you believe that or not, I know that's a really Ooh. controversial thing to say. <laughs> I know it's a really controversial thing to say, but as I say, if we're following this school of thought through, it doesn't really matter if you believe it or not, because it's true. It's just like it, the truth stands up whether you believe it or not. So, so if you tie those two things together, those people are accessing God through Christ, who I, I believe is the son of God. And I can't, I couldn't tell you, the ins and outs of why I just believe that that's true. Um, and sometimes I, for me, that's, I think that's just where I've got to stop that. That's what I believe. 
I'm not going to unpick it anymore. I've tried to unpick it lots and lots, and I've ended up back in the same place that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But I, I think there's an element of, of both being true, and I think that if we follow that that Christ-likeness within us all, and it says at the beginning of the Bible that God created man in his image, and I think for me that's what that's what he means by that, is that that Christ-likeness is, is his image, so that whoever is accessing God is accessing through Christ, whether they know it or not. And uh, happy to take gunshot for that in the listening group <laughs> if anybody has anything to say about it. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Please do um, comment on this uh, because I'm sure that there are other opinions out there, and we don't want to approach this podcast seeming like we we have the answers because we certainly don't. We are working this through. Like like I think it's else. it's it's quite obvious from what we've said so far that we definitely don't have all the answers and we're figuring it out. <laughs> 100% less uh, answers than have, to be honest. Well that, yeah, definitely. But that's what we want. We want to be experiencing this with you guys that are listening and we want to hear what you've got to say to add to it because we need it as much as you do, clearly. Um, and this is stuff that's not, I, I don't know about you guys, but I think growing up within church, this this isn't stuff that was particularly um these ideas weren't really explored um and i suppose you've got the christian traditions and and what have you that we all follow and that we've all arrived at this place because of our our journey and our experience but a lot of this isn't it's seen as progressive in inverted commas theology but these are very old ideas that have i guess been thought through and and you can see the evolution of theology as, as you go through through time with various councils and decisions etc so uh, yeah I, i've just floated some ideas and this is what this is my understanding as to where we're at, at the beginning so i happily i'd love to discuss it with people a little bit more because i, I believe that's how you grow understanding is by by intelligent debate and discussion conversation so happily welcome uh equal and opposing views uh so yeah that's i guess a call to listener group just to um put something down as to where you you find yourself within this conversation because i know some people will be screaming and shouting that some of the stuff we've said and some people might be thinking a little bit deeper about some of the things we said and some people will be nodding thinking i've thought this for years and years so it'd be great to to hear where you guys are at and uh, and to get a bit of a debate going on there i feel like you've just referred to us as an intelligent debate nick and i'm a little bit confused by that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, so we need intelligence mate, as well as this yeah yeah so i think that just about wraps up this episode uh thank you so much for listening um we will be back soon for our advent material so be very excited we shall see yeah. you next time bye bye, bye.